Welcome everybody to another episode of the Can Mayonnaise Kill a Jedi podcast. I am your co-host, Hannah. And I am the main host, the Artificial Dragon. And welcome to episode 34, everybody. Um, nothing really special. I just thought I'd throw that out there. Just counting down till our till we get 50 till we episodes. Get to 50. <laughs> I'll probably stop uh labeling the episodes, but I'm just so excited to get to our milestone of 50 episodes. Yeah, me too. Um, but yeah, um, so we'll try and... Uh, oh, just wait until we do 100. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's going to be mind-blowing for sure. Um, but anyway, before we get into the episode, um, so real quickly, for this month's Patreon art pieces, we have uh, the legendary power couple of Obi-Wan Kenobi and Duchess Satine of Mandalore. Just having a nice private moment under the... The, the light of the moon of Concordia and probably the night where Corky gets conceived. Yep. <laughs> but anyway, so um, if you guys are interested in any of our Patreon art pieces, uh, just go to patreon.com slash can mail. Once again, that is patreon.com slash can mail. And you could contribute to the highest amount of $10 and you'll have instant access to all of our Patreon art pieces. But if you're not interested in fan service or anything like that, you could contribute to our lowest, which is $2 and $5. And whichever tier that you contribute to, you will have instant access to our Discord server where you could share general Star Wars memes, lore details, suggest topics, or just have a general good time with us. Yeah, I mean, if you can even uh, find me on my blog if you ever want to check out some of the stuff I do. Uh, it is tumblr.com slash personal headcanons. I know, very original. I still have to cut. I still have to come up with a title for it, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm trying to do my own content too. <laughs> it's not much, but you know, it's harder than it looks, doesn't it? A little bit, <laughs> just a bit, but you know, feel free to check it out. Send me asks. You know, try and interact with my characters. Give me creative ideas, please. That would be great. Give me confidence. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Make sure to support our. Support us on the Patreon and, of course, Hannah's little side gig um, here and there. Um, Side gig. It's just a blog. Side blog. You know what I mean. But if you're not interested in the Patreon, you could always subscribe to our channel. Leave a like, comment, and... uh, Ring the bell. Ring the bell for notifications of new videos that come out every week. Oh, Um, God. We sound like every other typical YouTuber. Yes, I am very self-aware of that right now, Hannah. But it does help with the YouTube algorithm, as we all know with how YouTube is sometimes. Yes, very true. It is the unfortunate truth. But like most people who, you know, want to, you know, throw their content out there, you got to do what you got to do. Ain't that the truth. (laughs) But anyway, um, plugs and shameless promotions aside... Um, we all know what today's episode is going to be about. We're talking about Queen Amidala. Queen Amidala, probably one of the most recognizable female characters in all of Star Wars, right next to uh, Princess Leia. And maybe Rey. Eh. Maybe. I, That's why I, I said maybe. As you, as Leia you heard and from Padme. my, uh, as you heard from my palpable, eh. I don't. Leia really... and Padme definitely. <laughs> Rey, yeah, definitely. Eh. <laughs> and Ahsoka. And Ahsoka, yes. Yeah, I, 
I prefer Ahsoka over Rey. Let's be honest. Yeah. Um But yeah, um, so yeah, we'll be doing, uh, well, okay, technically Grievous was a movie character, but we will be diving into our first movie canon character for this podcast. Like I mentioned before, Grievous is technically a movie canon character, but he appeared in a micro series first, so potato, potato, whatever. But Padme originally appeared first in the movies. Yeah, she appeared in The Phantom Menace. Um, which I know for a fact was released back in 1999. That was a year before I was born. Yep. <laughs> I, I was probably a thought. Yep, most likely. I was a thought. <laughs> but anyway, um, so yeah, um, so I'm kind of excited. It's, it's just one of those topics I'm kind of reluctant in diving into because, as we all know, movie characters have... A lot of lore uh, just put into them and everything. Yeah, Pat, Pat, I even did my own research on the yeah. side here and there. She's got a lot of information. Yeah, like I shared with you like a couple of days ago, each one of her Wikipedia entries on in both canon and legends, like Wikipedia has two different sections to differentiate everything. And Makes all that. it easier. Yeah, yeah. Um, And each one of those articles were over 58 pages long. Holy shit. So yeah, obviously... Th- this is why we're <laughs> called the Cliff Notes yeah. version of Star Wars. Yeah, like, uh, I won't be going into every single minuscule detail of Padme because it is a lot to cover. Like, if somebody... We'd be here for hours. Yeah. Um, if somebody is asking, is wondering when is, why isn't he mentioning the time Padme met with Ron or when... Or, uh, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> yada, yada, yada. Go to the lore master if you want those details. But, or Shout you, out to the lore master. Or you could just put them into the comments. Um, those are always nice ways to tell stories and everything. Just and don't actually. Actually. Uh, don't worry. I'm used to the actually thing by now. <laughs> um, I got my own personal therapist. <laughs> I'm talking to you, Irk the Turtle. <laughs> but anyway, before I daddle on anymore... Let me actually give you a nice quote. One of Padme's legendary quotes. Okay. <clears throat> to those who act as agents of chaos, I say this. I stand resolute and unyielding. If you strike my voice down, know that a chorus of thousands shall rise up in its place. For you have no dominion over the righteous. We are the defenders of truth. That's cool. Yeah. She's got a lot of nice baller quotes. I'll yeah, she does. <laughs> but yeah, um, there's not a whole lot of behind the scenes detail with Padme that I've seen in general. It's just, uh, I'm, I'm just going to be basically talking about her uh, character and it's her, her history and everything like that. And What we can squeeze in. Yeah. Um, and I will be completely honest, after going through all that research and, you know, going through memories and everything like that. Padme is a surprisingly well-written character. Yeah, she is. Like, uh, you have, like, other protagonists like Leia. Um, she's well-written in her own right, but uh, Padme, she has a lot more depth, if that makes any sense. Yeah, she's got a lot more depth. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, she there's a good reason why uh, she's such a significant legacy character in Star Wars. I mean, she... She is definitely a woman you want to look up to. She's a perfect female role model for little girls. Oh, absolutely. 
now that's on. why i want to <laughs> if i ever have kids or introduce my nieces and nephews to star wars i will oh absolutely um <laughs> i think i remember a uh tiktok video a while ago where uh somebody asked how big of a fan are you in star wars and his and his mom just films herself and she says padme yes <laughs> oh that's so cute <laughs> Yeah, there are those hardcore fans out there. Just yeah, to let makes everybody sense. know. Um, but anyway, before I diddle on, um, Pad, yeah, like Padme, this is one of the reasons why the sequel trilogy kind of dropped the ball in general. Like Padme, Leia, Ahsoka, they are all well written characters. They are. They did not uh, capture that lightning strike twice with characters like Ray and Rose. Yeah. That is the unfortunate thing, but it's something that we have to live with, unfortunately. It's like, okay, I'm making a food analogy because I'm hungry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, my Nana once said she tasted miso soup, uh-huh. and she said it tasted like a brown paper bag. Yeah. Padme, Ahsoka, and Leia are like a gourmet sushi spread out. Yeah. Ro- Rose and Ray is miso soup. <laughs> Which is, uh, uh, I mean, that kind of uh, makes me a little bit sad because I actually like miso soup. I love traditional Japanese dishes and everything like that, but I guess opinions are different. (laughs) And I I reckon that uh, the Japanese have the secret of making a good miso soup. Oh, that was the analogy I just thought of. Yeah, yeah. Or you could have gone with uh, crumpets again like we did with dirge. Yeah, true. (laughs) Well, anyway, before we do any comparisons with food again... Um, so Padme Amidala, she is obviously born on the mid-rim world of Naboo. Mm-hmm. Very friggin' obvious. Um, well, she, no she is. <laughs> she was, Amidala was actually not her last name. Yep. Her last name was, uh, Naberi. Yep. Nabre, however you pronounce it. Nabari. Nabari. I heard a lot of different pronunciations, and the most common one I heard was Nabari. So yep. I'm going to go with that. Um, so she was born at around 46 years before the Battle of Yavin. So the, this is like uh, directly 14 years before the blockade of Naboo and everything. Yeah, because, um, you know, she's 14. In when the, she became in, queen, yeah. In the, in, in the Phantom Menace. Yeah. Um, so she was the youngest daughter of Ruwei and Jabo Fonibre. Um and is the little sister of Sola Nibre. Most of these characters are not really relevant. Jez, it's you know, their sad family. that they weren't included in the movies. There's yeah. a deleted scene where she meets her family mm-hmm. on Naboo. Yep. But it's, it got cut. That sucks. <laughs> yeah. As with most things in cinema, they got a cut time. I know. I know. We mentioned this last episode. Yeah, exactly. Um, and as a child... Padme grew up in an isolated mountain village where her parents would teach her the virtues of self-sacrifice and caring for the socially weak. That's cool. Like, uh, as we mentioned before in the Naboo episode, there's like a total of two classes. Like, there's the uh, normal class and then there's the aristocrats. The um, you know, Yeah, the nobles and everything. I would reckon that Padme, I don't see her family being nobles. They're just normal people, basically. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, They're just commoners. <laughs> her father, um, I'm not sure if you watched a certain episode of a Clone Wars, Clone Wars, why am I not speaking English today? Um, I'm not, her father actually makes friends with this uh, Rodian named 
Anaconda Far, who is Uncle the center. Uncle Ono. Yeah, Uncle Ono. So you have watched that episode. I've seen. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah. Okay, I know. He's in multiple episodes. He is in multiple episodes. Yeah. He's like the, uh, he's like the, the uncle figure throughout Padme's life and everything. Well, I mean, she calls him uncle. Yeah. That is basically her mentor. Before she ever met Mina (laughs) Bonteri. Yeah. Um, and like you said before, Uncle, Uncle Ono and all that stuff. It just makes it easier to say. Yeah, it is. Um, and eventually she and her family would move out of their humble little mountain village and move to the capital of Feed. Mm-hmm. And uh, while there, she would attend the best schools Nabu had to offer um, and would occasionally enjoy class retreats to Nabu's lake country, which cool. is what she talked about with Anakin when they were together and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, she would bake cookies and cake almost every day. So she was apparently a very good cook and everything. So she can cook. That's cool. Yeah. No wonder Anakin loved her. (laughs) (laughs) Bitch, get in the kitchen. (laughs) Don't promote sexism. Yeah, exactly. That's that's just a joke. That's just a joke. (laughs) Don't cancel me. Anyway, um, so... And she would also travel with her father as a volunteer of a refugee relief movement. To okay. basically do a lot of humanitarian movements. I was going to say, this is where she gets her, her humanitarian side from. Yeah. She's very humanitarian. Yeah, there's this one particularly sad, uh, noble yet sad story. Um, where she would go to a world called... Sa- I'm probably going to butcher this. Sada B. Baran. Which is a world within the Outer Rim. That sun is slowly dying out and about to implode. Oof. And uh, Padme would be one of the many volunteers that would help evacuate the native populations of a planet mm-hmm. and bring its native populations to other worlds in hopes of preventing their extinction. Unfortunately, though, um, the race, uh, <laughs> they can't exactly survive for very long off of their own home planet. That sucks. Yeah, um, because... That sun that is about to go supernova provides a particular radiation that would help produce vital enzymes that allowed the species to live to begin with. Oof, either way they're fucked. Oh, absolutely. And due to this, um, the native species couldn't live on any world, and there's no other planet that has similar conditions to this world. Oof. Yeah, um... And <laughs> double whammy, very double whammy. Like there were numerous Republic efforts to like replicate it synthetically, but they weren't able to do it in time. And at the last moment, at the last option of the Republic offered was to basically put them into cryostasis until they found a cure and everything. Mm-hmm. But the race decided, no, even though we are dying out and we appreciate the help that you're giving us. That if we will die with our planet because we will stop being the race that we are if we go anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a uh, unfortunate story. The long right in the field. <laughs> the first of many tragedies that Padme would have in her. L- I wouldn't say long life, but not long at all. <laughs> but point is her life. Yeah, in her huge life. Let's just say. Okay. Um. 
But yeah, um, then aside from volunteers and all that, um, she would eventually enter the Legislative Youth Program, which is basically a galaxy-wide organization that is devoted to the education of the youth across the galaxy. That's cool. Yeah. Um, it was basically kind of like encouraging the youth to engage in public services and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And for Padme, um, during her time in the uh, youth program, she would eventually uh, come across this young man by the name of Paleo. And the both of them engaged in a relatively innocent relationship and everything like yeah, that. Yeah, puppy love. Yeah, puppy love. And she... But unfortunately, their destinies would drive them apart. Like, Paolo wanted to engage art, while Padme wanted to engage politics. Yeah, that happens. Yeah. Um, one of the many uh, potential relationships that she had previously, but due to her uh, <laughs> personal goals and devotion to the people, she was forced to not engage in these relationships. Mm-hmm. But anyway... Um, Amidala would eventually join the apprentice legislator, and we become a full apprentice legislator by eleven. Basically, wow. she was becoming a, uh, an, a an apprentice senator, that sort of thing. Wow! So yeah, even at eleven years old. Yeah, even as a middle schooler, she wants to engage in politics and everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's definitely got uh, more cojones than I do, because I know I wouldn't have been interested in politics at that age. Hell, at that age, I think I was still into Justin Bieber. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Yes, I used to be a Justin Bieber fan. Shut up. <laughs> and uh, ironically enough, this would be the exact same path that her daughter, Princess Leia, would do many years later. Following in her mama's footsteps. Unintentionally, but yes. That's cool. <laughs> And then by 13, Padme would become the Princess of Feed, which is basically the Naboo equivalent of the mayor. That's cool. Yeah. Okay. And she was seen as extremely popular compared to the currently unpopular King Varuna, who was infamous for his corruption and benefiting from the Trade Federation's mining of their plasma reserves and everything. Of course. Yeah. Yay, corruption! (laughs) Yay for corruption in the Trade Federation! Though in these days, Padme became involved with a young man by the name of Lane Lago, who just so happened to be the son of the uh, Prime Consular, who is basically the advisor to the king himself. Okay. And both of them would fall in love. Like, you know, average puppy dog love again. Like, like as uh, most young loves go, they would do everything together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they would even make out in the corner over there. Um... <laughs> Unfortunately, the the prime consular kind of found out about this little relationship that his son had with basically the king's rival and everything. Mm-hmm. And he threatened that if they if he did not break off his relationship with Padme, he would disown him forever. Oof. And uh in uh That's his, a tough story. <laughs> yeah. Um even though Ian was, you know, accepting of that because fuck you, dad. Exactly. Um, unfortunately though, the king would, uh, so there was a scandal that happened recently, and the king got abdicated, mm-hmm. and Padme was chosen as the successor of the king. That's cool. And, okay, I gotta show you a picture of her coronation, because it looks really cool. But yeah, like, a <laughs> like, a there's this little comic which explores Padme's background and everything, and like, Ian Lago... Um, yeah, you see that She picture. still looks like a grown woman. Oh, yeah, she absolutely does. 
she ages well. Yeah, she does. <laughs> but anyway, um, so Ian was kind of desperate because he absolutely, legitimately loved Padme. And becoming the queen, she has responsibilities to the people and most likely won't have a time for personal relationships anymore. Mm-hmm. And Ian was like, please don't do this, Padme. I love you. And Padme, even though she may have legitimately loved the young man, um, and, uh, you know, she will always remember the, the, the times that they spent together and everything. Mm-hmm. She she devoted her heart to her people the very moment she left her mountain village. Look what happens, like, 15, 20 years later. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not at that point yet. But, yeah, it just, just gives you a nice little perspective of how much Padme was willing to sacrifice at that age. Yeah, true. Like, Girl. she... 14 year old pretty much yeah she was uh she became the queen of naboo at 14 um and like (laughs) she's much more mature than you and i are i think she's more mature than anyone at that age yeah it's a very surprising but it's naboo so i could understand that you gotta be highly educated at a very young age i yeah that's still really cool (laughs) yeah um and then like they had some parting words and padme's all like I know that your family is in a little bit of trouble right now since the king has been advocated and they no longer have a job and everything. Go back to your family so that you could spend time with them. And Ian, uh, he would leave feed to parts unknown. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, um, so yeah, Padme becomes queen, um... Ironically enough, she wasn't the youngest queen to become, uh, you know, the leader of Naboo and everything. At 14? Yep. Uh, did, did they choose, like, a fucking 10-year-old or something? <laughs> what I the was, shit? I mean, there was, wasn't there, like, a fucking Egyptian uh, pharaoh that was, like, five or something? I think so. <laughs> so, when you look at our own real world, it's not that ludicrous. True. <laughs> but anyway, point but, is... I mean, for a space opera. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, so yeah, um, she, when she became the queen of Naboo, that, so you know how like most nobles take an oregano name or something like that? I forget Ooh. how to pronounce it exactly, but for Padme, she took the name Amidala. So to, that, so that's how she... Achieved that name. Yeah, um, she wasn't born with the name Amidala. That was just the quote-unquote alias for herself for her reign as queen. Mm-hmm. Like queen. You always, uh, like in uh, episode one, everybody always refers to her to Queen Amidala, not Padme and everything. Yeah, no one should refer to her as her her name. Yeah, and so it was a good thing that, uh, okay, it's kind of a little uh, backtracking a little bit. Um, so... This is all in the Darth Plagueis novel, by the way. Um, Palpatine was looking for a new recruit to uh, take over King Varuna because he was being a shithead and everything. And this is when he's still center. Yep. And he literally approached Padme's parents and convinced them, hey, maybe Padme will be a better queen than uh, Varuna currently is as as king. So Mm. you can thank Palpatine for giving her the position of queen. Of course. He might be an evil scheming Sith, but, you know, he had some good ideas. Yeah, and the main reason why he chose Padme was because he saw her as as a gullible and naive. Well, yeah. 
I mean, he's not wrong, but considering what Padme eventually does, um, kind of uh, a little pinprick of his ass and everything. A little bit. Just a little bit, but just a little uh, sidetrack, but, you know, the I'm behind everything. Yeah, this is one point where he failed, but... <laughs> but, so. yeah. Um, when Padme became queen, she restored the constitution that allowed the limit of... Uh, you know, elected monarchies instead of just monarchies. Yeah, like bloodline monarchies. monarchies. Yeah, um, I'm not sure if I mentioned this exactly in the Naboo episode, but a normal term for each queen and king in the constitutional monarchy, not constitutional monarchy, uh, democratic monarchy is like, the one term is like two years. Okay, so wow, that's shorter than our president. Oh yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, I had to remind myself because I was like, how long is a term for I can't remember Nabu? if we talked about that. No, we did not. But we know their terms, but much shorter than uh, the king and everything. Not the king, but president, goddammit. Okay. So, yeah, she restored that original constitution that was uh, taken, you know, rid away by the original king so, so long ago in Naboo's history. And then, uh, not long after the coronation ceremony, Padme would inspect her newly appointed royal guards and even had dinner with Captain Panaka. And they, cool. and they just had a nice little discussions of uh, security detail and all that stuff, like what would be a good idea. And Padme came up with the idea of restoring the handmaidens. I did research about this. Yeah. This is, this is pretty cool. Yeah, because uh, her idea is that even though the, the Naboo are a bunch of pacifists and everything like that, um, she is still aware that there will be people that want to, you know, push back against her and try to assassinate her. And She's as, fucking smart. Yeah, and as much as she does not like, you know, sacrificing human shields and everything like that, it is kind of a practical philosophy behind mm -hmm. it. And Panaka readily agreed. So they went out to recruit numerous, uh, you know, younger women that had a similar body structures, similar and face. faces and everything. Like, true body doubles and everything like that. Uh, they even, they did this really well in the movies, too. Because yeah. when I was a kid, I could not tell um, Kira Knightley from... Natalie Portman. Oh yeah, absolutely. If you look it at fooled children, it could fool anybody else, <laughs> especially yeah. with the makeup. Yeah, like if you look at this picture right there, Natalie Portman and Kira Knightley, they look identical. Oh yeah, they look damn near identical. Yeah. Um, a nice little behind the scenes fact. Um, what in the middle of filming for episode one, um. So, you know, Kira Knightley, Natalie Portman would work together, and even the crew and the mother of both girls had trouble telling them apart. That's funny. <laughs> I thought that was a nice little detail that even in real life that could happen. Yeah, makes sense. They, they look very similar. Yeah, it and reminds that makes, me... That makes sense. Like, if you're going to pose as the queen and protect her, you gotta look like her. Yeah, exactly. It kind of has vibes. I don't mean to go off track again, but it, remind, it reminds me of a, uh anime called the Quintessential uh, Quintuplets, which is basically, uh you know, like a... It's a romance anime, basically. And okay. there's like... There's quintuplets, which are like uh, six girls, and they all look alike. And the 
only way people can differentiate them is their different hairstyles and everything. Oh, cool. So that gives me those kinds of vibes. But anyway, moving on. <laughs> Insert the Homer gif. No. <laughs> I think it's more accurate to say weeb. I was about to say weeb. <laughs> yeah. That, that Homer uh, meme is also pretty accurate, too. Anyway, um, so, you know, she's going through all these interviews, and essentially the main body double is Sabe, who's... Sabe. Sabe. I always uh, do the mispronunciations. Sorry. But Sabe would be... I wouldn't say they are the closest of friends, but she is the closest to Sabe out of all the other handmaidens, because... I, I saw that in my research. Yeah, um... And each handmaiden, I'm not exactly sure how <laughs> how well trained they are, but all of them had to go through heavy combat training and everything. Makes sense. And even Padme joined them in doing that combat training because even though she's not exactly a warrior per se, she believes of leading by example and everything. Yeah, it's kind of like what Satine says in The Voyage of Temptation. Yeah, exactly. I may be a pacifist, but I know how to defend myself. <laughs> and uh, just sit, Padme does it better. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, Sabe is kind of a, a cool character. I I didn't uh, send any pictures, unfortunately. Um, Sabe, she becomes a much more prominent canon character in the uh, Darth Vader comics, where. It's like it takes place before Endor and everything. And basically mm -hmm. Sabe is, I believe at around this time, she would be in her 40s or 50s. And she kind of collabs with uh, Darth Vader and everything. Mm -hmm. Because if I remember correctly, uh, she still remembers the last words of her former queen that Anakin still had good in him and everything. And she keeps working alongside Vader and the... <laughs> if a naive goal of I could fix him and everything. And I think her resistance group, because she started her own little resistance mm -hmm. group called the Amidalas with the former handmaidens. Yep. I think that that's fucking amazing. Yeah, she's she's kind of a badass. And Vader mistakes her for Padme yep. even after all that time. <laughs> yeah, Salve is kind of a badass. She looks really gorgeous even in her 50s too. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. I mean, the first thing he says when he looks at Sabe is Padme. Yeah. He asks, is that my wife? <laughs> anyway, um, so with the handmaidens, um, so if I, okay, if I remember correctly, uh, during her reign, um, one of the Republic diplomats and intelligence officers, um, you know, would usually go through the manifest of uh, the queen's uh, royal shuttle and everything like mm -hmm. that, like, important names names of handmaidens uh i believe padme decided to put her name amongst the uh, handmaidens just to make it look convincing that she's a handmaiden and not just you know the queen in disguise and everything yeah and um, they even sorry yeah go on they even all they all change their names yeah to make it sound like padme's mm -hmm. and i brought up a list of course of you did <laughs> go for it so we have Sabe, uh -huh. Sache, mm -hmm. Dorme, mm -hmm. Erte, mm -hmm. Rabe, Yane, and Corde. Yep. And I think Sache, oh no, not Sache. It might have been. <laughs> I don't remember her name, but I remember one of the girls was younger. I think she was 12. Yeah. When they, she got recruited. 
but she did not pose as much as Padme because she was shorter and too young. Yeah. But she was still, you know, part in of that the handmaidens. Yeah. I think that's cool. It's a nice little detail. Yeah, and basically, like, uh, the intelligence officers, like, they notice an inconsistency. Like, okay, there's this many uh, handmaidens, but where the fuck is Padme? That sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And one of the intelligence officers kind of went up, suggested the idea, like, maybe the handmaidens are supposed to be decoys, and one of them is a queen and everything like that. And basically, the Republican intelligence were like, ha, do you know how ridiculous that is? <laughs> So yeah, even the via the Republic CIA didn't believe that shit. Wow. And even the Jedi didn't know that either. I mean, that's a good farce. Yeah, it is a pretty good farce. And I also read in my research that they were they worked all the time to stay on top and be coordinated. They oh, yeah. even fooled Panaka mm-hmm. when they were training because <laughs> yep. they switched out when she went to go change, and for training I think, and they switched out. From Padme to, I believe, Sabe. Yeah, that's always a nice little dynamic. Um, especially with Padme at that young of an age. Yeah, it's just like mischievous kids, but it makes sense. Because you're, it's, it's a good relationship for them to grow and have. This would make such a great anime. In all it honesty. would. It's like <laughs> a little slice of life. I love it. Yeah, just Padme and the handmaidens in anime style. Oh, chef's kiss and everything. Give me more Padme content, please! <laughs> I need um, to read Queen Shadow. Yeah. Yeah, that entire book series, I heard it's pretty good. And I'll be mentioning a couple of things in those stories. Okay. Um, while things were going good initially for the new Queen of Naboo, her first term would be a rocky one. As five months into her rule, she would be faced with one of the most significant crises in her planet's history, which is, well, the blockade of Naboo. Yep. Just, yeah, that's got to be a shit situation. Just, oh, yay, I'm a ruler now. And the Trade Federation that just knocks, just, hey, bitch, what's up? Just, oh, no. <laughs> just that fucking Mr. Krabs, just, oh, no. <laughs> yep. But anyway, so we kind of know what goes on. Uh, the Trade Federation blockades Naboo. Um, they invade the world. Uh, Insert the whole of the Phantom Menace. <laughs> exactly. Um... And then, uh, you know, they uh, switch places. Because I think Sabe is the main person who acts as Padme and everything. I've as seen the queen. that, yeah. Um, and when they land on Tatooine, Padme took the opportunity to go of Qui-Gon under the guise that... The, she's, the que- a, she's a handmaiden. Yeah, she's the handmaiden. The queen wants to know more about the planet. Um, she eventually uh, meets up with a young slave boy, Anakin Skywalker, who asks him, Hey, are you an angel from Iego? Blah, blah, blah. Um, and initially, Padme's first impressions on Anakin was that she saw him as an amusing young boy. Well, yeah, he's nine. <laughs> yeah, five years uh, his junior, or her junior, my bad. Um, but she did admit that he is a very knowledgeable kid for her age. Mm-hmm. Which is, considering how knowledgeable Padme is at 14, that says a lot. Yeah, I mean, Anakin was a smart kid. Yeah, she's a, he, a, he's a pretty smart kid. Yeah. He was not dumb by any means. I mean, He was just not emotionally mature. Oh, absolutely. Like, he, he salvaged and rebuilt to see Freepio, which is pretty goddamn impressive for yeah. a kid of his age. Yeah. But yeah, um, like... They're going to get hyperspace parts, and Qui-Gon is like, oh, 
We'll have Anakin win the pod race so that he could give us funds for the hyperdrive and everything like that. And Padme was all like, that's that's a crazy gamble. How do we know he's going to win? Um, but, of course, she changes her tune immediately when Anakin won the pod race and everything. And didn't isn't Qui-Gon the one who figured out Padme was the queen? I believe so. It is in his character to kind of figure that out. But... <laughs> I mean, he's not stupid by any means no, either. He is. I I imagine that at the very least he suspects that uh that uh Padme was the spy for the queen or something. Okay. At the very least. Okay. But anyway, um so, you know, Anakin goes with them to uh Coruscant to be checked out by the Jedi and everything, and they have that little bonding moment as we saw in the movie. Um and Okay, I forgot to add this little detail, but as a queen, after her uh, in her first busy day as a queen, Padme would go to her room and use her private communicator to finally talk to her parents for the very first time. Wow. Because she knows as a queen, she's never going to see her parents for a good while. That's sad. Yeah, but uh, she... Even though she put up the facade of being this mature and resolute queen... Um, privately to her parents on that very first night after she got elected queen, she was excited. She was ecstatic. She was like a, an ecstatic little girl. Yeah, That's exactly. cute. It is very cute. And anyway, back to now. Um, she kind of uh, sympathizes with Anakin because he's never going to see his mom again, going to pursue a, a uh, purpose greater than he realizes in the same Basically in the same boat as Padme at this point. Mm -hmm. Then she's now the queen of Naboo and the very being of her planet is now in her hands. Yeah. Yeah, like no pressure. <laughs> yeah, no pressure. No pressure. Um. So yeah, they like bonded a little bit. And of course, Anakin gave him that uh, little trinket that... That I carved from the tree. Yeah, carved from the tree. And Padme would... See the Tatooine episode for that. <laughs> yeah, Tatooine episode. Um, that Padme would keep on her person throughout her, her entire life and until the day she died. Yep, she was buried with it. Mm -hmm. You could see it in the funeral scene. Yeah, I absolutely love that I scene. I love that detail. <laughs> By the way, it's we'll, a very sad scene. It is a very sad scene. By the way, we'll get there when we get there. Um, so anyway, she goes to Coruscant. And with, you know, ad she's advised by Palpatine, the senator of her planet and mm -hmm. everything. And she trusts Palpatine ex because, you know, he's the expert of what goes on in the Senate. And, you know, Padme's trying to plead like, hey, my planet is being invaded by the Trade Federation. We need somebody to go stop them or something like that. Send a peacekeeping force. Mm -hmm. But many of the senators... Many of them, uh, like, uh, that are in cahoots with a trade federation, were like, this is outrageous. This is incredible. Maybe we should uh, send a uh, survey team to see what's actually going on at Naboo. You know, just stalling for time and making all of these outrageous uh, demands and everything. New gun, right? Yeah. And Palp... And there's this, that great scene from uh, Phantom Menace, which I do applaud nowadays, where Palpatine's all like, oh, the bureaucracy, the corruption, nothing's going to get done. As long as all the Republic senators are corrupt, the chancellor will have to give in to their demands, blah, 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 blah. And that's one reason why Finnis Valorum was replaced with, yep. it, replaced by Palpatine. Yep. He, he wasn't rising to... The occasion. Yeah. And Padme decided, 
I make a vote of no confidence for the Supreme Chancellor because she kind of realizes that Chancellor Valorum was basically in the way of making sure that her planet, you know, gets liberated and everything. Mm -hmm. Just a bunch of bureaucratic... uh, Bureaucratic. Bureaucratic uh, layering and everything. Yeah. Um, But, of course, she was manipulated by Palpatine to get him into a position of power. Of course, because he's the one always pulling the fucking strings. And, uh, yeah, remember when I said that he picked Padme because he saw her as young and naive? Mm-hmm. That's the very reason why he picked her. Yeah, I mean that's one another reason why he preyed on Anakin too. Yeah, because he was this young, naive little boy, so eager to learn about the Force. Yeah, exactly. Which is why he dug his claws in at the coronation, or not the coronation, but the celebration. <laughs> yeah, I get what you mean. Um, the so, parade. And of course, we know what goes on. Uh, even though Chancellor Palpatine. Not Chancellor quite yet. Uh, Palpatine is about to take the position of the Chancellorship. Um, Padme kind of realizes, okay, this is still going to take way too long. I'm going to take matters into my own hands and go back to Naboo. And this was essentially a gambit on her part. Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> the odds are kind of stacked against her. Yeah. But she realizes that she needs to reunify the, the Naboo and the Gungans, because they are proper warriors, and the Naboo are not. Yep. So she, with the help of Jar Jar, of course, um, she approaches uh, Boss Nuss, who is the leader, you know, that fat fucker and everything. Yep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and obviously, in that scene, Sabe was the one who's, who's acting, standing in. who's standing in as Padme, but... You know, the, the negotiations are going nowhere, but Padme decided to reveal herself as the uh, handmaiden. Yeah, she was at that point like, oh, fuck it. Yeah, it was basically a show of trust and open cooperation and everything like that. And that, of course, uh, impressed the Gungas enough to... That's cool. Maybe we can be friends. <laughs> <laughs> and then, we, of course, we know the rest. <laughs> The Gungans are just there for comedic relief, but it's the greatest comedic relief. It is. And, yeah, the Gungans are actually kind of badass. Yeah, they um, are. We'll eventually do it in their own episode. Take a shot. <laughs> but anyway, um, so, <laughs> um, we know the rest. Uh, Padme successfully liberates Naboo. Good, good feels here and there. Um, With the help of the Jedi and yada, yada, yada. Yada, yada, yada. And the Gungans, yada, yada, yada. But I have a death of Qui-Gon, yada, 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 yada. Yep. Um, so let me see if I could, uh, get... Like I said earlier, insert the Phantom Menace script here. (laughs) Yeah, obviously the entire Phantom Menace and everything. Um, so for the rest of the years on Naboo, she would help her people slowly rebuild from what the Trade Federation destroyed and took from them. And this is in between the first movie and the second movie. Yeah, in her, uh, two terms, which Mm -hmm. is like four years. Um, so a presidency. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, she's like doing all this humanitarian effort, uh, rebuilding their economy. Interestingly enough, he she does not request any aid from the Republic. She That's surprising. Yeah, she did all of this externally. Good job, Padme. Yeah, she was able to rebuild the Naboo economy and everything. Hell yeah. Um, however, this also raised some other questions that basically divided up the Naboo. Like... Ever since the Trade Federation invaded them, essentially without uh, any opposition, the question was, 
should we uh, in should we install some sort of defense system or something like that? Maybe we should have a standing army. Um, it was a huge divide because obviously the conservatives want to remain as pacifists, but the other side obviously don't want to get invaded again. Yeah, makes um, sense. And uh, it's just this little discussion. And ultimately what... Okay, they still have their Naboo fighters and everything, mm-hmm. but... Um, Those ul- are beautiful ships, by the way. Oh yeah, absolutely. Gorgeous ships. Um, ultimately what Padme uh, decided on was basically a... Uh, what is it called? Uh, okay. Um, she decided to install... A weapon called an ion post, which is basically a gigantic uh, ion bomb. It's an EMP. Yeah, it's an EMP. Um, basically, it, it's a defense measure where everything in feed just gets shut down by this electromagnetic post and everything, but everybody inside the palace will be fine. That's cool. It's um, just, hey, if droids attack again, no. Yeah, exactly. Just the big middle finger. Yep. <laughs> and considering what Padme had to do... I think it's a fair choice. Yeah. But even then, her her security officer, Panaco, d- disapproved of that. Well, fucking deal with it. <laughs> and this little disagreement would fracture their friendship for the rest of their lives. Oh. Yeah, it was just this, we need to, it's just this extremist side and this pacifist side kind of Clashing heads, that sort of thing. Very true. Yeah. Even Padme is, like I said, with Satine again, mm-hmm. pacifist, but she can defend herself. She knows how to defend herself, and she has to make that choice as ruler of Naboo. Yeah. It's and... not Panaka's say. Yeah. And... He can give us a finger <laughs> all he wants, but in the end, it's Padme's decision. Yeah, that's beyond... I mean, I wouldn't say that's the unfortunate thing. I think what Padme did was reasonable, given, Very the, circum- reasonable. given the circumstances and it, political climate. It's not like she is ki- like setting off a nuclear bomb. Yeah. All she is doing is setting off something that can deactivate droids. And electronic devices and all that stuff. Yeah, that's not as bad as taking hundreds of lives of a battalion. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, fair. It's a fair uh, middle ground, sort yeah. to speak. But to add... It, I wouldn't say insult to injury, but even her parents didn't like that decision. Because they're kind of the uh, conservative kinds, like weapons of any kind. Big no-no. Yeah, I get that. But (laughs) still, they need some kind of defense. Yeah, yeah. We we saw how bad the the Trade Federation was going to do. Yeah, exactly. Padme knew what to do to stop it. And (laughs) this is the measure she has to take, so fucking be it. Yeah, um... Don't mean to go back, but I thought this was a nice little detail. Um, every year following the invasion, citizens of Naboo would hold a memorial for all those that have fallen in their defense of their planet. And even Amidal herself lit a stick of incense for Qui-Gon in general for his sacrifice. Aw, that's sweet. It is really sweet. So she highly respected Qui-Gon. Oh, absolutely. And I do believe, like, uh, so she's kind of aware... Like, obviously she saw Darth Maul and everything. Just, what's up, bitch? Um, I think she was personally approached by Master Yoda to basically keep the existence of a Sith hush-hush. Really? Yep. Wow. And Padme did. It wasn't even Padme. I mean, everyone in that party saw Maul. Yeah. But it was still, okay, go off and do that. (laughs) We'll, We'll deal with the Sith. Yeah, exactly. Um... But yeah, just 
don't don't speak of anything you must <laughs> exactly but yeah despite all of his you know drama under her two terms and everything and you know despite all the good she did and you know that controversial decision of using an emp bomb and everything like mm-hmm. that despite that padme was still an extremely popular queen like yeah like when she was approaching her last term, there was a faction within the government that wanted to overrule the amendment to make sure she got a third term. I mean, that's basically what they tried to do with FDR before his death. Yeah, basically. That's how good of a, a ruler she was. She comparable to FDR. Yeah. That's and, cool. And while Padme probably was uh, flattered, she declined, saying that in her own words... Popular rule is not democracy. Fair. Yep. I mean, she upholds democracy, which is amazing. Yeah, she... Yeah. <laughs> Even if it, if her staying as queen did help her people... um, Well, okay, maybe not in the long run, but... um, Even... <laughs> this is why I think Padme is a really well-written character. Because she holds democracy to a, such a high regard. Yeah, that, higher than anything else. It is what she truly, wholly believes in. Yeah. That's just something really admirable about her. Very admirable. But yeah. Um. So after, you know, she steps down as queen and the new successor came in. Um. After the coronation of a new queen, the queen basically approached her saying, Hey, um, you've done a lot of really good things for our people. How about you become a senator for Naboo? I mean... The spot was open. Pretty much. Um, by the way, Padme was 18 when she became a senator. Wow. <laughs> Achieving more in life than I ever did. <laughs> At 18! <laughs> so yeah, um, this is obviously uh, in the uh, Queen of a Sh- Shadow of a Queen and all that. Uh, her first years as a senator. So she like goes to Coruscant and her first couple of months... At Coruscant, warned kind to her. Oh. Like, uh, <laughs> like there were numerous tabloids that talked about her, like her loyalty. Is she really suited to be the senator of an entire sector in Naboo in general? Typical tabloids. Yeah, tabloids, like, haha, you stupid bitch. That sucks. Yeah. Um, and there was even one instance where there, so, <laughs> so she only had her handmaidens and her personal security. Mm-hmm. She, okay, she had, uh, like, uh, a couple of senators, like, uh, Rush Clovis, who is the, uh, senator of the banking clan, when, they're basically, uh, both new senators, but she, she didn't have veteran senators as her allies yet. Except Ono. Yeah, but, I'm, yeah, I'm not too sure where Ono is at this point. Anyway, that's not important. <laughs> um, but anyway, so there's this one story where the protocol droid that's assigned to her just leads her into the lower levels of the Senate chambers that's currently being demolished for construction and everything. Oh. And for by pure coincidence, Bail Organa was also down there and he managed to save her from, you know, being crushed by some demolition acts and everything. What the fuck was going on with the protocol droid? Yeah, it's found out later that uh, the Trade Federation hacked it. Oh shit. <laughs> They're like, yeah, a new gunner's like, fuck you. Wow. <laughs> and that's four four years after the Trade Federation was... Newt Gunray really has a hay boner for Padme. Dude, 
The only reason he wanted to join the Separatists was because Count Dooku promised that he would kill Padme. God damn. <laughs> yeah, Gunray is a petty asshole. Yes, a he cowardly is. asshole, but a petty asshole. A coward, petty asshole. God damn. <laughs> Fuck you, new Gunray. <laughs> but yeah, it's like due to these stories, like, you know, like the tabloids basically pictured her as this lost foreigner who would constantly ask for directions like, oh, I don't know where I'm going. And everybody's like, oh, look, look at this poor little 18-year-old girl. She doesn't even know where the Senate chambers are, <laughs> you stupid bitch. Of course. <laughs> yeah, tabloids like that will always shit on kids and oh, young, absolutely. young people. Absolutely. It sucks. <laughs> but eventually, though, she gained some new allies within, of course, Bail Organa and Mon Mothma. Yep. And they would be her closest allies for her remainder years as senator of Naboo. That's cool. Yeah. Um, you like know, the, 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 the power trio. Yeah. And then eventually she gets mentorship from uh, Mina Bonteri, who was the first legit helpful person that told her where to go, uh, where the meetings are, you know, that sort of thing. Okay, so this is where she meets Mina. Yeah, Mina That's Bon... Cool. Yeah. Um, and even though... Um, she respected the fuck out of Palpatine, and initially Palpatine was very welcoming to Padme in the beginning. Of course, he has to hold <laughs> up that image. Yeah, unfortunately, there are certain things that Palpatine would restrict her with. Like, he would forbid her from joining the uh, anti-slavery legislation. Asshole! Yeah, because, uh, <laughs> because Palpatine was fully aware that Padme uh, was against slavery and everything. What a dick. Like, <laughs> Pat, he, okay, I'm not sure how relevant it is, but even Padme sent a couple of her handmaidens to uh, Tatooine to see if she, they could track down Shibi Skywalker and everything. Unfortunately, that did not happen. No, it did not happen. She was already married off to uh, to Owen. Yeah. Um, or and, no, not Owen, uh, Krieg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, <laughs> yeah, um, Palpatine, it's all like, Palpatine, I want to join your anti-slavery legislation. And Palpatine's like, nah. And Palpatine's like, but I really care about this issue. Exactly. What the fuck? <laughs> so obviously Palpatine's seen a huge rival that could, you know, fret away his machinations and everything. Of course. It's just like, it's, I, I picture him as like the grandpa figure. Yeah. It's just like, no, no, you go do that. You don't want to do this. Like, there's like this, uh... Asshole! <laughs> I know I will probably mention the Dark Horse comics until the end of time, but there's this really good issue from Dark Horse where uh, Bail Organa is trying to put this new legislation through or something like that, mm -hmm. and uh, he talks to uh, Valorum a couple of times, and Valorum's like, your, your conspiracy fear is like, it's all it's all a fraud. Palpatine wants to grab more power, blah, 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 blah. And, and obviously... And obviously Bail is like, oh, that's that's... Pure nonsense. And then uh, Palpatine basically called him into his office. And uh, to put it simply, Palpatine politely threatened him. Like, don't That's see Venice Valorum again. That's a thing that people can do. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> just a lightly veiled threat. Don't see Valorum again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just to He probably you... did it with a smile on his face the entire time. <laughs> He's all like... 
But anyway, so Padme is starting to gain a little bit of traction. Like, she's done doing, gaining more allies. She's doing a lot of humanitarian efforts here and there. Um, Rush Clovis had a huge crush on Padme and wanted to engage in a relationship. But she's like, nah, I, this is much more important. Let's make our relationship more professional, that mm -hmm. sort of thing. Um, so then they continue on. And then the uh, Separatist crisis happened. And... Yeah, that entire uh, political turmoil and everything. Yep. Um, like, the entirety of the Galactic Senate uh, saw this threat, and they wanted to reform the Galactic uh, military and everything, the Republic military and all that. And Padme obviously was really against this. Well, of course, she's still pacifist at heart. Yeah, and... What, where was it? Uh, okay... So basically, she believed, this is her own personal belief, she believed that signaling violence would only invite more violence. Which is a fair... Uh, it's a fair view. It's a fair view to look upon it, but considering it's Palpatine, it's going to happen regardless. Yeah. But of course she doesn't know that. Um, like, during the Separatist crisis... Uh, she would actually do a lot of speeches across numerous Republic planets. And, you know, she's like doing these speeches like, hey, oppose this bill to, re to create the, the Republic army and everything. And it's kind of controversial, too, because in her speeches, she kind of implies that, uh, let's see if I could find it... Um, she kind of implies that anybody who supported the bill for creating a Republic military were basically cowards. Oof. Like, claiming that warfare was created by cowardice and that true bravery was to forego easy answers and find peaceful solutions. That's... That is kind of what we all believes in. Yeah. This inevitably led to criticism, especially from veterans of the Stark Hyperspace War. Yeah, I, probably a lot of criticism. Yeah, and many of these veterans would point out, like, Oh, you believe that uh, soldiers are cowards, are you? Well, what about all the brave Gungans that fought for you? What about all the brave security forces on your planet that fought for you? Are they cowards? Oof. Obviously, it's a twist of words, but you can see where we're coming That's, from. Uh, that is, unfortunately... The reality of politics. Yeah, You're always going to have someone who will twist your words and try and use them against you. But I can, you could obviously see why they would lash out in that yeah, fashion. Yeah, I obviously see why. Yeah. But um, I can see Padme's point too. Yeah. Um, Padme... It's just, it's just that she used the wrong word in yeah. calling them cowards. Yeah, exactly. Um, You're a great character, Padme, but... Eh. But nobody's perfect. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? Anyway... But anyway, uh, so on the eve of the vote of the Military Creation Act, which is, you know, the opening of uh, the clone, uh, Attack of the Clones, everything, mm -hmm. where, you know, she, her ship blows up in an assassination attempt. She switches with her one of her handmaidens. She was a pilot. Um, and publicly, she suspected that the assassination attempt was from the opposition that wanted to push through the military act. Mm -hmm. But but privately, she suspected that Count Dooku was behind the assassination. Of course. But of course, the Jedi were like, no way Dooku would do that. But they would be wrong, again. <laughs> and of course, this is... Okay, so this is like uh, 20, 22 BBY. 
exactly 10 years after the blockade of Naboo. Mm -hmm. And due to all these assassination attempts, the risk of somebody, you know, killing Padme because of, you know, her opposition to the Military Creation Act. Mm -hmm. um, this would be one the Jedi Council assigned Obi-Wan and Anakin to protect her ass. And, you know, uh, Anakin, Padme reunited and their mutual feelings started to boil back up. In Insert Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> or no. Uh, Attack of the Clones. Yep. The Insert entire Attack plot of the, of the Attack of the Clones. Um, and, you know, Sam Wazell tried to kill her, failed, um, realized that they'll need to go undercover, go back to Naboo, obviously as refugees instead of her luxurious yacht and everything. Mm -hmm. Also, when I was doing research for this, um, there was an entry that basically said, if you look at this uh, refugee uniform that that uh, Padme is wearing. She is specifically wearing clothing that the people uh, wore in the uh, Thousand Moon system. Really? Yeah, I looked into it further. It unfortunately isn't I Eagle. It's just another That's system. still cool, though. Yeah. It's just another system that just happens to have the same name as the Thousand Moons. That's still a reference. And yeah. I like it. <laughs> That's cool. I mean, it kind of looks like the diathem... We see in the Clone Wars. Yeah, just a little just bit. Just a little bit. Just but still. a little bit. Um, then we know the the entire plot of Attack of the Clones. Um, they stay on Naboo. They're, you know, doing these romantic feelings and everything. Um, and Padme kind of told Anakin, like, even though uh, I have feelings for you, you're a Jedi and I am a senator. We need to stick to our duties and everything. Uh, that didn't happen, obviously. <laughs> Point is, if it was left to its own devices, it would have just been another relationship that Padme left behind. Another suitor that mm -hmm. she left behind. But as fate would have it, it would not be that way. Nope. <laughs> so they go to Tatooine because Anakin's having his visions of his mother dying, blah, 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 blah. Um, I'm just trying to wrap through this really quickly. Um, you know, the entire plot, go on Geonosis. Padme, uh, you know proclaims her love to Anakin because she believed she was going to die. In the yeah, she thought she was going to die. Yeah. Um, went out like a friggin' badass, though, in all honesty. Um, yeah, she did. <laughs> fortunately, she did not die. And then uh, we know of a rest. Um, you know. So, <laughs> af <laughs> right after, because when I was doing research, I almost forgot about this little thing. Um, so, in between... After, you know, their duel with Dooku and the marriage scene. Mm -hmm. um, so basically, Anakin, Obi-Wan, and Padme were taken straight back to Coruscant, to the Jedi Temple, to be healed by the uh, Jedi healers and everything. Yeah. And Padme's injuries were the most minor compared to, you know, Anakin losing his arm. Or his hand. Well, okay, his hand. Um, Still, ow. Like, Padme, uh, she... She basically wanted to see Anakin. Like, she, like, stormed into the healing chambers, demanding to see Anakin. And the healers were like, like, like just calm down, calm the fuck down. Jesus Christ. And she finally left when Obi-Wan, who was very heavily injured, got off of his uh, table and told her to leave. Wow. It just had me fuck off. <laughs> and a little bit... This is all, uh, by the way, this is all expanded upon in the novel called Star Wars 
Wild Space, which is basically an extension on more scenes and everything like that. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and I think this dives into uh, <laughs> the beginnings of a relationship between Anakin and the Jedi Council suspecting that they have mm-hmm. a relationship. Anyway, so a little bit later, um, she goes to her apartment. Obi-Wan comes as a guest basically to tell her, hey, um, I know that you are, that you and Anakin have romantic feelings and I want you to break it off, basically. Yeah, I mean... Let me read you a direct passage from the book. His face was pale, his clear blue eyes darkened with difficult emotions. The point is there can be no hope for anything but a civil cordiality between you and Anakin, Senator. He has made a commitment to the Jedi Order. His life is with us. To dream otherwise is folly. She felt a shimmer of rage in her blood, like heat haze dancing on the Tatooine desert. I do not know what you're talking about. Don't take me for a fool, Padme, he snapped. Of course you do. He has feelings for you, strong feelings that cloud his judgment and make him disobedient to the Order. Are you going to pretend you don't have similar feelings for him? My feelings are my own affair. Not when they involve the Jedi, breathing harshly. They glared at each other. If she could see pain in him, surely he could see it in her too. Oof. This is why you came, she whispered, to tell me I must forget Anakin? I came because I, because I was told to, Obi-Wan replied after a moment, and because I'm trying to protect him. And you, though I don't expect you to believe that, but Padme. He dropped to the edge of the seat again, touched his fingertips to her knee. It's true. You must know that to pursue this any fervor will only lead to heartbreak for the both of you. If you do love Anakin, you must let him go. He can't love you and be a Jedi. And he was born to be a Jedi. He has a destiny greater than you or I can imagine. If he is not free to pursue it, a great many people may pay a dreadful price. Is that what you want? She blinked rapidly, banishing tears. And do you love him so little you would have him condemned to a lifetime of loneliness? Oh, in the name of some prophecy, not a one of your precious Jedi Council can say for certain is true? I can see both sides. (laughs) Um, I'll I'll finish it off real quickly. Mm -hmm. Again, Obi-Wan stood, and and this time he walked away. If I did not love him, he said, his voice unsteady, his back turned, I would not be here now. She leapt to her feet. Then I think you and I define love very differently. I will never do anything to hurt Anakin. Can you say the same, Obi-Wan? He swung around, his eyes blazing. That's a stupid, childish thing to say. Ooh. Wow, they actually argued. Yep. I didn't... Ooh, wow. (laughs) I would love to read that fucking novel one of these days. Me too. Yeah, it's so good from what I've heard. I mean, we we see clearly that Obi-Wan loves Anakin. He even said it himself in episode three. Mm Mm-hmm. But 
you know, it is a different kind of love. Yeah. Padme loves him because, you know. She saw a kindred soul in Anakin. Yeah, she saw a kindred soul in him. That is the, he, he called her an angel. Yep. You know, that's the highest compliment anybody can give. Oh, absolutely. But she fell in love with him because of who he is. Yeah. It just sucks that she still loved him after the dark path he went on. <laughs> but on Obi-Wan's side, that is his little brother. Yeah. You know, he he loves him because it is also his apprentice. He is teaching him in the Force. Yeah. Yeah. Just, it just adds so much depth for both of them as characters. Oh, yeah. And then, obviously, uh, the conversation goes on. Obi-Wan tells her to break it off. And Padme was all like, okay, I will break it off. But I request that I break it off with him privately. I want him to escort me back to Naboo. And Obi-Wan's like, okay, I'll let you do that. Or, there, spoiler warning, that didn't happen. Yeah. Um, that was basically a Chad move by Padme to lie directly to Obi-Wan. And she got away with it. Yep, she got away with that. Anyway. So yeah, they have their, uh, you know, their marriage ceremony um, with the only witnesses being R2 and C-3PO. And That's pr- a good way to circumvent the witness, <laughs> the requirement of a witness. And obviously there's like a priest, you know, saying the vows and everything. And the priest is not uh, really relevant in this, but the only other recorded... Uh, evidence that the marriage actually happened was through a scroll with their names and everything mm-hmm. and it was just just gathering up dust in the uh in the church the Naboo church and all mm-hmm. that until it was stumbled upon by uh anakin not anakin uh padme's old uh <laughs> head of security panaka wow and panaka found out and he told palpatine about it of course. Fuck <laughs> you, Panaka. And, and fucking Palpatine's like, yes, I could use this. Oh, my God. <laughs> Panaka uh, ruined everything. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Panaka ruined everything. God damn it. <laughs> and then, of course, we know the rest. The Clone Wars happened. And Padme and Anakin, you know, did their separate duties. Uh, Padme doing the political side and everything, trying to uh, quell... Uh, you know, the war ideals and everything. She's like anti-war, fighting against the pro-war faction. Mm-hmm. While Anakin goes off to serve in the Clone Wars as a general. Yep. And yeah, I do. If, okay, so they would see each other very rarely, obviously. But yeah, it's just uh, <laughs> this lasted for three years, where Padme would do all these political missions, uh, trying to get other planets to join the Republic, making peace treaties, trying to, uh, you know, get peace between the Republic and the Separatists, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the whole shebang. Um, She would find herself to be a a huge uh, pushback against Palpatine and his policies and his grand plan and Uh everything. Like, you remember that one episode where Padme was against the bill where they would get a huge... uh, you know, some from the banking clan, mm-hmm. but it would bankrupt the Republic in general. Yeah, when she gives a speech about the poor people and how, you know, they don't have water, they don't have lights, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, and, you know, Palpatine privately said that, uh, isn't it remarkable that one could have all the power in the galaxy, but the voice of a single senator can sway the minds of millions? Wasn't that when he decided that she should die? Oh, Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, and uh, 
let me see if I could. And of course, um, you know, uh, she has her own a couple missions here and there. Like uh, her old friend, uh, Uncle Ono, um, his people were suffering from pirates and the Republic were doing nothing. So he approached the uh, Separatists. Um, New Gunray realized uh, that he's close friends with Padme, used him as bait to draw in Padme. And afterwards, um, Uncle Ono realized that this is not the right way to go and decided to uh, join for rejoin the Republic again. Uh-huh. And then, uh, yeah, Padme has been doing a lot of good, but she sees a lot of more tragedy in, her sh- in these short three years more oh, than yeah. anything else. And somewhere in between those three years, or more close to the, la- the third year, the twins were conceived. Yeah, um, about to be. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like, uh, let me see. Like, you remember that, uh, Senator Rush Clovis I mentioned uh-huh. earlier? Um, she, uh, okay, so long story short, uh, Rush Clovis, the banking clan, were financing uh, droid factories and everything. Um, Padme, uh, served the Jedi, went undercover to, you know, get close to Clovis, give the information that was needed, blah, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. And there's an entire... Anakin's jealous. Yeah, Anakin was jealous. Um... And then, uh, okay, I'll go uh, that entire thing with the banking clan in general later. But point is, uh, she has seen a lot of shit, even if she wasn't directly on the front lines. Oh, yeah, she's seen a lot. And, of course, the uh, political corruption that kept happening in the Galactic Center. Like, Anakin was fighting on the front lines while Padme was fighting within the heart of a republic itself. That's just as well as the battlefield as An- what's Anakin facing. Oh, absolutely. It just, it does well, okay, it does involve blasters and everything, but that's for a different application. I mean, just, words are just as important as blasters. Oh, absolutely. Um, and near Holy the... Holy crap, that's a lot of notes. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I'm just going through a good amount of them. <laughs> Sorry, we are on a time crunch. <laughs> but this... This kind of leads up to the final year of the Clone Wars. So Palpatine and the Republic is slowly kind of degradating into this imperialist faction instead of a democracy that the Republic once was. Yeah, this is the rise of the Galactic Empire. Yeah, and Padme kind of realized this. And uh, she was especially disgusted when uh, there was this new legislation called the Sector Governance Decree, which basically made, gave Palpatine the power to pick any individual to basically govern an entire sector of space. Mm -hmm. Like, no democracy, Palpatine just picks somebody as a puppet, basically. Which is, uh, if you don't recall, this is uh, the precursor to the Moths and everything. That sounds like it. Yeah. So, okay, cool. Yeah, basically Moths, I'm not sure if they fulfill the same role as the Civ Empire, but the Moths are basically like uh, governors of entire sectors of space and everything. Yeah. Yeah, it's the same role for the Galactic Empire and everything. And she was disgusted with this. And she was approached by Bail Organa and uh, Mon Mothma to lead this new legislation. It's called the Delegation of 2000. There goes the light of the flame of the Republic. Yep. Um, so basically, the rebellion. yeah, yeah, um, yeah, just the foundations of the, uh, rebellion and all that. The delegation of 2000, if it wasn't obvious, it was essentially made up of 
2,000 legislators. I'm not sure if it's specifically like a people in government or senators mm-hmm. or something like that. But essentially, these guys were like, wanted Palpatine to return emergency powers to the Senate and everything. Um, and they made the petition of 2,000, which was basically a uh, bill that, was, that had 2,000 signatures wow. on it. Which basically is said, hey, Palpatine, return your emergency powers and stop the, uh, the, gov- the uh, governance decree and all of this bullshit. Um, Unfortunately, okay, before I go into that. So the Battle of Coruscant happens, of mm-hmm. course. Um, Padme, even though she was pregnant at this time, she herself personally led the evacuation of the uh, Senate uh, apartment complex and everything. Wow. And when she was uh, being escorted by Shock T to the bunkers and everything, mm-hmm. she is still proved combat capable as she shot down several droid fighters. That's brave for a pregnant woman. Yeah, she is a fucking badass. Yeah. And then, of course, we know Varez. Uh, she meets up with Anakin, tells him about the twins, blah, 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 blah. And in these last couple of days, it was kind of becoming very tense. Because Anakin was experiencing visions of Padme dying at childbirth. Mm-hmm. And Anakin was became a much closer to Chancellor Palpatine, becoming the personal representative of a Jedi Council and everything. And Padme was kind of desperate in getting democracy back on track. And she would, like, try and push Anakin to tell Chancellor Palpatine personally to, like, hey, let things go back to democracy. And yeah. obviously this created a huge rift between the two. Oof. And Palpatine obviously capitalized on that. Of course he did. Because he, he was sowing the ideas of doubt within Anakin. Like, you are the great hero of a republic. I don't think you're... Uh, your wife appreciates that too much. And then he also is stoking the fire of the dark side saying, oh, I know how to how to save your wife. Yep, obviously. And then, uh, you know, she witnesses the Order 66 at the Jedi Temple and everything. And then the, uh, the, the meeting with all the senators and Palpatine as he declares his new order mm-hmm. of the Galactic Empire. You know, she does that legendary line with thunderous applause. That's such a good line. It is such a good line. Um, and Bail Organa and most of her allies, including Padme herself, wanted to vocally oppose this new, this new rule. Mm-hmm. But she realized that if she did that, because during the middle of his uh, speech and everything, all... Of the delegates of 2000 were being gathered together because Palpatine basically called them all traitors. Oh, they're gonna get killed. And like Pad- public execution. Yeah. And Padme and convinced Bail Organa and Ma Mothma to basically keep silent and distance themselves from the delegation of 2000. Uh oh. I mean, obviously. That's Pad- smart on her move, but still, that sucks for the rest of them. Yeah. Um, and then we kind of know the rest. She goes to uh, Mostafar. Uh, she tries to convince Anakin, gets force choked for her efforts. Um, and then he's just left there. And then after the most epic battle Fight. in the entirety of the Star Wars universe, um, Obi-Wan picks up uh, Padme, brings her back to Polis Massa to get looked at and all of that. Um, I gotta point this out real quickly because a lot of people like to meme, like, how can you die from how could you lose the will to live and everything like yeah. that? Yeah. Like, 
You gotta keep in mind, the entirety of the Clone Wars, worrying about her husband on the front lines. That wears on a person. Yeah. Not including the life of a politician. Oh, exactly. And, the, you know... Uh, and the stress of carrying twins. <laughs> I should know. Not, not to mention motherfucking seeing everything that you worked so hard for just basically crumbling before your very eyes and your husband who you've loved a good majority of your life turned to the dark side and saying we could rule the galaxy like that could no sane person is going to survive that I mean, even if you are delivering your own children if all of that has crumbled there is really no no, she she didn't see a future. Yeah. It was just like, fuck this. Yeah, Um. so I did a little brief research. There's a thing called broken heart syndrome. It, it's I, an I actual was about to thing. That. <laughs> it is an actual thing. Yeah, like, I've heard brief reports, especially during Tina and everything. Uh, the, <laughs> the Karen cough. Um, <laughs> I'll probably have to censor that later. But anyway, <laughs> um, but there are like numerous reports of people grieving so hard that they nearly have heart attacks. Yeah, I've, I've heard of it before. It's it's very sad. Yeah. Like, uh, I think Carrie Fisher's mother died of a broken heart? I was going to say, yes, Debbie Reynolds did die of a broken heart after It could be. Died. I think it was like a stroke or something, but you give a point. But, you know, that's still, you know, that's it's still your heart. It's yeah. Losing someone who is that important to you. It can have a physical effect. Yeah, and all the shit that she had to go through, like uh, seeing, you know, the corruption happening in the Republic, everything being imperialized, uh, the Jedi Order being driven to extinction by the government that you work for, uh, your husband literally becoming a monster before your very eyes. Yeah. That could do something to the mental or physical state of a person. Yeah. But despite that, um, she was, she was brought to Poe's Masa, and she stayed alive for two days to make sure that, uh, you know, her twins, you know, gave birth to her twins and everything. So that, ooh, that was a long labor. Yep. Ouch. But yeah, she still pushed. At least she still got to see her twins And gave them died. their names and everything. Yeah. Yeah, even despite all that, she pushed through just enough to make sure that her offspring literally <laughs> could you know have a life beyond her and her last words to obi-wan before she finally passes away were there is still good in anakin there is still good in him yep and that's, that's sad yeah it's uh <laughs> i just wish her uh, this is this is just a dumb fan rant i wish her death would have been better acted yeah natalie portman did do a good job it's just the her her death like, yeah, yeah, as 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 we'll say multiple times with Revenge of the Sith and the prequels in general, uh, George Lucas wasn't exactly great with dialogue. No. Especially with romance and everything. Oh, yeah. So after Padme dies, um, it was, obviously the, the, the details of how she passed away were not known. Yeah. Like, it's generally assumed, like, the coroners know that she died of strangulation and the twins died with her. That sort of thing. Supposedly. Supposedly. Um, and then, you know, the funeral service. All of Naboo, uh, the, four, the current queen, her parents, Jar Jar Binks, all of those people attended the, you know, the, uh, the, 
funeral service. She was just universally loved by you can even, everyone. You can even see in Tales of the Jedi yep. that Mon Mothma, Bail Organa, and Ahsoka show up. Yep. And uh, this is a detail in the Revenge of a Sith novelization, but Obi-Wan and Yoda, um, obviously they couldn't attend the ceremony, but they watched it from Bail Organa's ship. That's cool. So at least they gave their respects to the former Queen of Naboo. Yeah. And then, uh, let's see what else. Okay, and then uh, afterwards, Palpatine would declare the that day a holiday as a way of respecting the former senator of Naboo. Wow. And probably as a uh, little uh, shot at Darth Vader. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he takes several shots at Darth Vader using Padme. Oh, uh, absolutely. Like, there's a comic where he literally gifted <laughs> Darth Vader uh, his her wife's... Old ship. Her old ship. He's all like, what planet should I give you? Maybe Naboo would be a good one. <laughs> Such an asshole. <laughs> yeah, Palpatine's a prick. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, if I'm wrapping this up quickly... um. Padme, even though she didn't live long enough to see her children grow up and everything, her her acts were very apparent throughout the entirety of the Star Wars galaxy. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, a lot of people say that Mon Mothma is the mother of rebellion, but I would say Padme is the mother of rebellion. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and then let me see. Uh, and yeah, I think Padme is a really well-written character like yeah like she's obviously not my personal favorite character um that would probably be ahsoka and everything but she is a really great character (laughs) but anyway um so you got any uh lingering questions or anything hannah not really if i do i'll do my own research fair enough but anyway so that is our episode of can mayonnaise kill a jedi or in this case how much can somebody dar- die of a broken heart? <laughs> eh. <laughs> but anyway, so you want to know what the next episode is going to be, Hannah? Enlighten me. So um, I decided to do a much more, I wouldn't say vague topic, but a much more important mechanic of the Star Wars universe and lore. So in our next episode, we will be exploring hyperspace. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Yeah, we'll be exploring. Um, I'm interested to learn more. Yeah, it'll probably be a shorter episode on like this one. But <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Um, may the force be with you. And I hope you're having a wonderful rest of your day. Adios. Adios. <laughs>